Greetings, friends. It's Thursday, May 4th. Chapo back at you once again. Um, you know, uh, we're, uh, the writers are on strike right now. The uh, WGA is on strike for the first time in 15 years. And, you know, something I learned from watching television and TV writers is that the Chinese character for crisis is the same as the character for opportunity. So what is a crisis for the entertainment industry and the just profession of writing as a whole is an opportunity for unprofessional writers like me to scab for Hollywood TV shows. So I'm announcing my uh, tenure, announcing my tenure as the head writer for James Corden's uh, Tonight Show. Oh, I got bad news. What's that? He's, he's being deported back to England. Oh, the Justice God. Department finally did what they should have done long ago. He's going to be strapped into a, a straitjacket and uh, shipped back in a steamer trunk. So <laughs> no more Corden show. I'm sorry. Well, look, look, there's tons of job openings right now in Hollywood. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I think I could do I could do good work with the Law and Order franchise. Maybe move it to a different city. Uh, maybe have it animated. I don't know. But like, there, there's there's work to be done out there, fellas. And I'm ready to start writing. They're already letting me scab. Um, I have a great new show. It's um, they're they're bringing back the CW network, and the show is called Forget Me Not. It follows the protagonist. Her name is Naughty, Not's her nickname, Beckworth. She's a community college student. And one day she gets run over by a mail truck. But the mail truck was carrying the body of an Irish traveler. And so <laughs> it it imbues her with a with a special power. What is that power? Her power is that she can make anyone forget anything. <laughs> <laughs> and so they, they, you know, she finds herself in like hostage situations, but she'll make the captors forget that they're actually the hostage takers and make them think they're the hostages. And she has a love interest. Her only problem is when she has sex, she makes whoever she has sex with forget everything. But luckily, she falls in love with the world's smartest man who can learn anything. <laughs> as soon as possible <laughs> like he has a built-in limitless pill he has a 380 iq and you know there, there's some great scenes she's like why do you want to stay with me if i make you forget everything and he says because i'd rather i'd rather i'd rather forget everything and learn the world again with you than know it without you wow well i mean and that's forget me not it's only going to be available on CW2, which is only on the Xbox 360. <laughs> None of the newer Xboxes. Uh, my hope for the writer strike is that it will inspire a efflorescence of reality programming and that we finally, because of the need to fill more hours, get the fulfillment of the promise of turn of the century reality depravity. Mm. Like yeah. people, uh, people who remember like from 1999 to like 2004. The kind of shit that was on network television. Fear Factor? Yeah. Fear Factor, eating hog anuses. Uh, <laughs> a show called The Swan, where a bunch of people with like some sort of bodily dysmorphia get uh, surgery and then uh, are put as contestants at a beauty contest. <laughs> uh, that kind of thing. You know, who wants to marry a millionaire? Joe Millionaire. Although Joe now Millionaire was great. You have to be freaking Joe Billionaire, <laughs> am I right? <laughs> But we need, but it looked for a minute like, oh, we're going to have the running man. It's going to happen. But then yeah. sometime during the second Bush administration, like everybody collectively stepped back from the cliff. And it's like, 
uh, you know what? Uh, let's not go nuts here. Uh, the Bachelor uh, Survivor, that'll do. Uh, but now, you know, we're going to need a lot more shows. So I want to see a bunch of people who signed a waiver just being like fed to zoo animals like on the CW. Uh, I want to see a, a version of the swan brought back. But the new twist is they uh, have the beauty pageant and whoever loses has to have the surgery reversed <laughs> <laughs> and go back to being ugly. Like, oh, sorry. I guess we fucked it up. Never mind. Here's your old face back. I would like to, like, in in the, you know, uh, scraping the barrel of human depravity, I mean, I guess it's not really so much human depravity, but I would like to see a return of the Fox Network series Man vs. Beast. Yes. You know, a series of athletic competitions between, like, who can run faster, a man or a horse? But, you know, uh, we're gonna, we'll handicap it by hobbling the horse before it starts running. Yes, absolutely. Well, it should um, be like a regular guy versus yeah. um, a regular horse. If it's a regular <laughs> guy versus a racehorse, it's just bullshit. It's like if you if you yeah. if you made a horse like solve math equations against, you know, Stephen Hawking wouldn't be that fair, would it? How about man versus beast versus food? Yes. Okay, yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, Matt, um, one of the man versus beast uh, competitions. Yes, a hot dog eating contest. Was the hot dog eating contest between a Kodiak grizzly bear and Kobayashi. My would favorite part that? of that, I still remember it to this day because it's just so perfect, is that this was right after Kobayashi had burst on the scene and just w- destroyed all the Americans. Kobayashi fever was sweeping eating. the nation. So they had him uh, uh, competing against this bear. And that was the only contest where the nationality of the contestants was noted. They had little flags next to them, like the images. So it's like Jap- uh, Kobayashi, Japan. And because the bear was from Alaska, America. he's American. So when he just opened his mouth and just shoved 50 hot dogs in with like the flick of his wrist, <laughs> that's like, yes, USA, back on USA, USA, USA. Yeah, I remember that. It was it was over in a second. The the, the bear ate 50 hot dogs with just like, oh, yeah. that was a, but, it was it was done. And it but, wasn't long after that that way they basically ran Kobayashi out of hot dog eating in America because they couldn't handle it anymore. They could not accept a Japanese eatsman. As the greatest of them all. Now we now we have Joey Chestnut. Now we got this fucking Fugazi motherfucker that they brought in. They never went head to head at at uh, Coney Island. Chestnut and uh, Kobayashi. So at least uh, uh, Chestnut never Mouse. beat him head to head. He has Mickey Mouse eating titles because he's ducking the the best competition, That's which true. is a, a, an Alaskan Kodiak grizzly bear. Yes, he's he's <laughs> like uh, he's uh, Mayfield. The, he's Floyd May, Mayfield. Shut up. <laughs> he's Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> Picking his competition. Team money. Chump. Money team. I would like to see, in addition to like truly depraved, sort of like 80s dystopian, like running like, man. Uh, yeah, the running life, man. Running man. Where? And it's integrated into the DraftKings website. Yes. So you can watch it on a DraftKings like streaming uh, tab while betting on the outcome. Uh, what was the? Uh, I think it's in RoboCop. It's the it's the uh, it's the game show where people have to climb up a rope and there are like dogs. That's in Running Man at... too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's in Running Man. They got okay. the Dobermans at the bottom. The yeah. Dobermans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. See, uh, see some great shows like that. Uh, I personally, I mean, I said this the other day, but I think um, during this strike, I mean, who knows how how long it's going to go on? But the longer it goes on, the greater the necessity for these streaming platforms and studios 
the greater the necessity will be for them to just directly steal movies from alternate universes and release them to, uh, you know, release them directly into mind of Jason's letterbox. Because, <laughs> like, you know, I, I what's this, this show I see, like, it's called uh, The Citadel. And yes. it's got Rob Stark and someone else in it. And I swear to God, Felix, on, on my TV, when I turn it on now, it's advertising this show that has, it is, it's got to be from a different universe. It's like not real, never existed. They just put it out there like, it cost us $200 million. And it's like, yeah, to turn on the time portal to go steal it from, <laughs> from, from, from Universe 2. I'm sure that it's, got, it's a big electricity bill. If but, that's the uh, case, then we know who has access to the portal. And it's the Russo brothers because that's, yes. a, that's another Russo joint. And those guys are the people who are like one of them had some sort of Howard Beale talking to Ned Beatty experience with a computer because... <laughs> He's a complete he's been completely like hollowed out by the the by the AI. And he's out there saying they're going to make AI movies. You're going to go be able to go on your TV and type in uh, Casablanca. But it's me and Kate Upton and she sucks me off. And then you <laughs> press the button and then you get to watch that. That is and now he's and he's making these movies. They I think they might actually already be using AI on these Russo Brothers projects. Like the gray, gray man, man, the gray your man citadels. <laughs> The Gray Man, the Gray Man is like it's not even like a movie that's in a TV show. It's like one of the movie posters that was in GTA Three, <laughs> like just a background piece of clip art that no one spent that much time on. But the, like that is not. I don't believe that is like the Gray Man was, if it exists at all, which I'm still not sure it does. It was only it's only been watched by guys having a very uncomfortable Thanksgiving with like their father in law. It's just a way to burn three and a half hours. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that Netflix brags about that. Like, I remember when they came out with Bird Box, the uh, Sandra Bullock movie where it's like, you can't look at the thing because it'll be it'll scare you so bad that you kill yourself. And they released it over uh, Christmas and they were like 500 million Americans sat down and watched Bird Box. And you can understand, yeah, okay, we're sick of talking to each other. Let's stare at uh, the screen. It's like, this is a new thing. It's like going to the movies, but we don't have to leave the house. But like the thing about Gray Man that gets me is, yes, obviously, procedurally generated slop, but at least previous generations of, of slop, you know, a movie about a, a secret agent would have like kind of a cool name, like Tex Briscoe, you know, something like that. Like, you know, uh, uh, you know Infinity Sanction. The gray man. <laughs> the, it the sounds like man. what it is. It's, it's like a, just it's not a man. It's like no, it's cool because he's like you don't even notice him before he kills you. Uh, he's so yeah. unremarkable. Do you want to lead with that, <laughs> <laughs> Matt? Now I know the gray man seems like a, an odd title for a movie. It's like you know a boring movie. Gay man. Also, it's right there. <laughs> yeah, gay gay man. Man. I mean, I'm sorry. I know that it's childish. But you're leaving that out there. So I know it seems like an odd, an odd name for an action for an action movie in our on Earth One. But keep <laughs> yes. in mind that, like in the deal that they inked with Earth Two to just p directly pilfer already uh, extant movies in the alternate dimension, they have to retain the naming. It's the royalties, you know. It's like it's, it, this was right, striking yeah, yeah. over in Hollywood. It, it, right you now. know, it's all it's all standard boilerplate. Uh, yeah, but they, got, like, they but grabbed. Matt, but Matt, they, I just want to say they grabbed Gray Man from the uh, alternate universe with the neutral planet from Futurama. Your neutralness. It's a beige alert. 
If I don't survive, tell my wife hello. Yeah. No, it's, it, if only it were that. Unfortunately, in Earth 2, where all these movies are being produced now, thanks to the writer's strike, um, Earth 2 is, has been consumed by the gray goo caused by a nanotech disaster. Yep. So, in fact, it's called Gray Planet. It's Gray Earth because everything is gray over there. It's been consumed by goo. But they still got some great movies uh, that we're going to be seeing soon. Uh, Red Notice 2. I can't wait for that to come out. But yeah, uh, totally... these movies we're talking about, these are Earth 2. It's just the future. And what is the portal? That's right, AI. I think they're using yeah. it already. No, I, I think, I think they're, they're using already, already using it. And Matt, like uh, you brought up that the, the Russo brothers said that like within five years, we're going to have AI generated movies and use the example of like, you know, you can you can rush home from work and like turn on Netflix and say like, hey, I'd like to see me as Indiana Jones. And like, I, I know I know like like the, the streaming revolution, which is like really the, the big the big like technological um, disruption that's really changed the entertainment industry and is the reason that the WGA is on strike right now because about you know, residuals from like, you know, you could write a TV show that gets streamed a billion times and get paid like a check for like $200 or something like that. There's no residuals. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like it, it's just the, the idea now that like it'll become even more personalized where they're just like, oh, I can cast a movie and with myself or like I like just just put prompts in and it'll like spin out um, some version of that for you is like it, I know we made fun of the metaverse before on this show, but this is like a new level of like pushing me into like the absolute yeah. brink of nihilistic depression yeah but like uh imagine how exciting it is like the movies where you could just superimpose your face on the movie character's face that is like that's like the 1963 civil rights act for people in the borderline iq region as we say <laughs> like if you're if you're one of america's many like prison guards for a job like that this is a great day for you. <laughs> yeah. And I got to say, um, seeing some of the uh, some of the replies from the the feral swine in the blue check digital peasantry who are all thrilled about this because they they love the idea of disruption and the idea that like, hey, like chat GPT can already write screenplays. And like the thing is, like, we, we all know that that's bullshit. Like, I mean, it's going to be like I just want to shout out our friend uh, Jason Grote, who is a professional screenwriter, who said that, like, look, we all know that, like, AI cannot write a joke or a screenplay that's even halfway that's going to interest anyone. As much as these people think that it might be uh, technically possible. But the thing is, like, it's it, like it will destroy the entertainment industry. But I think the disturbing thing about this strike is that the people in charge of the entertainment industry are more than willing to do that. Like, just as like they did to retail and a dozen other industries, it's just like full-on speed run now. I've just loot the shop of everything before it goes under. And I, another thing that really disturbs me about this and like the idea that people are more than willing to see um, basically human culture to an algorithmically generated responses is that I think like as we've talked about in the past with Marvel movies, like when we did the Eternals episode, I am disturbed by like a good chunk of our population now is so artistically illiterate that like that actually would be good entertainment for them to have an AI generated movie where a producer just puts in prompts about like, you know, uh, comic characters or nostalgia or just certain things that they like that press a button in your brain. And then when you see it, you're like, oh, that's art. Yeah. I mean, it, a lot of it boils down to the fact that the stuff that uh, is repellent about AI is only really revealed by you know, actually paying attention to it. You know, if, if all you need is a vague stimuli, colors, sounds that you can just wa let wash over you. And more than anything, this is way more important. Have an opinion about like what, what it, what it mm. is so that you can talk about it afterwards. 
or even while you're watching it, which is a lot of the time, the the details, like, you know, whether it seems like there's a human uh, subjectivity being represented or, you know, how many fingers somebody has. <laughs> uh, you're not noticing that. It doesn't matter. If, if, if sitting down in front of it and, like, being in its presence, you know, uh, is not part of your engagement with it, if it's if it's just this hum, then why would you spend any unnecessary dollar uh, making that input like more detailed or more specific or more considered? Because it's not going to be absorbed. I honestly, like, I don't see the difference between, like, the Eternals or the Warcraft movie or, like, really a the lot Eternals. of movies, whatever. Like, there's no difference between that and, like, an AI movie. It, it's oh, yeah. already, yeah, it's yeah, already yeah, real. There. To the extent that, like, AI is just, like, it's a Markov bot that's, like, steered in the right direction by people making 30 cents an hour in Malaysia next to Ian Miles Chong's cubicle. (laughs) Like, that pretty much is here. It's just going to be exactly like that. And, Matt, to your point that, like, the only things, the things that make AI repellent are only apparent if you, like, have a mind to pay attention to it. I think the thing, everything about that makes AI repellent is what makes it attractive to people like Elon Musk and studio heads and like the, the presidents of like, you know, the, the people who run these streaming services, because, uh, you know, as we're seeing with, with like the whole Twitter thing and Elon Musk, it's like these people really don't have any need for human culture that they feel that they're not in like total control of or that like it doesn't reflect to them that they're cool. And in fact, mm-hmm. like an artist themselves. And if it doesn't do that, then they're happy to just break it and just like, uh, you know, like take their toys and go home. Or oh yeah, they were just generally like just just shit on the very idea that like uh, writing or painting or just like writing a song, a screenplay, a book or whatever is like a unique human skill that like is is what separates us from I don't know like animals or computers. It's like Look, the only the, thing that the makes algorithm and the market have spoken. The only things left that get remunerated to any degree uh, are innovation and thinktroneering in the digital space. <laughs> That is the Promethean fire being brought to humanity. Everybody else is just should be in awe of that. And if your job is to create content, it should be singing the praises of your of these godmen who walk amongst you. And to not do that is to frankly spit in the face of the Almighty, which is telling you if this was more important, you'd get paid more. Yeah, and like, and to the extent that like you really can't do anything without, in, in terms of entertain the entertainment with TV and movies without a screenplay, is I think what it just greatly frustrates these people. So they can like you know proletarianize the entire, the entire field or profession. Then all all the better. And then what's more, I, I guess for like the the tech people, I, I just think like they love AI because if they feel like they're like oh I created this 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 godlike computer thing like that's as good as writing a song. And like oh, yeah, they can absolutely. now feel like that they better. are like Da Vinci or whatever. Yeah, they are. They're, they're our gods. And uh, that's why it, it's easy to understand their response. But like people who are in any kind of regular employment, in any, certainly in the knowledge economy, or, or to think that like this process is not coming for them, that like this is not the universal experience of, of being a, a, someone who exchanges uh, money for their labor, like skilled to one degree or another, like the de skilling. And the precarity are that's baked into everybody's fucking life. And that's why I do got to give some respect to the crypto grind set dropship guys, because as absurd as their vision of uh, autonomy is, it at least is realistic enough to recognize that if I'm going to be 
uh, all in on doggy dog uh, uh, capitalism as like the permanent state of humanity, then my God, I cannot work for anybody else because I will be turned inside out eventually. <laughs> I have to have an independent income stream yeah. or else I'm not going to be a human pretty soon. If you don't have that situation, like what shut, what the fuck are you rooting for, man? You are the chicken, like just, just uh, getting excited when the fucking, uh, the farmer comes out with his fucking hatchet. <laughs> like, I, I hope I go, I hope I get to go to the tree stump today. <laughs> Oh, uh, he's so looks- base. Look at him cutting the heads off all these chickens, these bitch ass uh, fucking blue haired, uh, blue combed chickens. Look, look at him cutting their heads off. Oh, way to go, farmer. You're doing a great job. Oh, he's coming over to get me. He's probably going to tell me how cool he thinks I am. But uh, Felix, to your point that we're like, I, I, I think a lot of entertainment is, is like already been taken over by Skynet. Uh, just back, uh, we're talking about that that show, The Citadel. When I turn on my TV, it advertises the show to me, and the tagline for the show is. It's like Mission Impossible meets This Is Us. <laughs> <laughs> the combo like, everyone's been waiting for. <laughs> and yeah, like I, on Earth 2, someone just fed, fed those prompts into, into, the, into the, God, the God machine, into the God algorithm. And they were like, give, give me a show featuring uh, one of the guys from Game of Thrones. And it's like, it's like, a, it's like a, a cool spy movie that everyone likes meets a show about, you know, family and generations and what, what felix what is this is us about again it's about it's generations it's about yeah, it's how about, like you know you know your you know your mom and dad well they were once 30 and you were once 30 and your kids one day they're going to be 20 maybe even 30 and we get to see all of those perspectives you get to see an old person when they're old and then when they're young and then a young person when they're young and then a, before the young person was born and it's it's just all about that. It's all about the idea. You know, we all know about families. This is us proposes the question. What if you add families plus time? That's when you get generations. <laughs> There's a show on Apple Plus that's debuting very soon. I saw the ads for it. Uh, and it's called The Silo. It's a, it's a dystopian futuristic show. Based on what is apparently a good book series, I have no idea about the source material. I know is that I watched the trailer and Rebecca Ferguson is in this underground cavern thing. And she says to somebody, have you ever wondered if they're not telling us the truth about the silo? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, okay, I could believe that no human was involved in the production of this. That they might have just taken, hey, here's that silo uh, story. Go nuts with it. And then they just spit it out. That really is how you, that's like the, there are two types of shows. Now one is like, yeah, like it's a family show. It's like the good wife or something like that. A show where it's like, you know, what, what if, you know, what if a 50 year old got divorced and then she had to learn how to do an app or a bunch of shows like that. But then the other half of shows, the dystopian shows are like that. It's like, what if, what if in the future, no one could open their curtains and no one knew it was behind them? And it's uh, called windowsill. <laughs> I think they're lying to us about the silo. Ever since, uh, ever since birth, we've been told it's a place to store grain and corn. <laughs> what, if, yeah. what, if, what if something else is going on here? I, can I just say that Rob Stark is in TV hell? He's yeah, never he didn't making make it, it out. He didn't make it into orbit. It's, like people, it's, it's okay. Yeah. Very few of them do nowadays. People like to say that, like John Hamm, like that. You know, he he never made it, but like. 
he's in some movies. Rob Stark is just doomed to yeah. be in like like he's not even on Amazon shows. He's on like Citadel the Swiffer the, show, the, the Swiffer Wetjet Network. <laughs> he's on shows you can only watch on a Samsung refrigerator. <laughs> Uh, like he is, uh, I feel yeah. bad for him. John Snow is in the same situation. They both failed to launch those boys. Mm. Yeah. When were those uh, Stark Rob Stark, or no, John Snow was in like that movie about Pompeii exploding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and I remember when I saw that, it's like, uh, that's okay. Good luck. What's that? Nope. Never again. Back to TV. Bye bye. Back, back, back to the Fleet Farm Network, <laughs> where like it's an action series where every, uh, climax involves somebody fighting while using uh, some sort of uh, home repair or gardening tool um moving on from the uh writer's strike uh it's been a it's been a banner couple of weeks here in the united states for uh, murder and exciting new frontiers and making excuses for murder and justifying it i mean uh you know here in new york city there's just that guy who was strangled to death on the subway by a vigilante but I was, I, you know, I, I was also just thinking about this last couple of weeks of like the number of people who have been killed in or killed or shot in this country for ringing a doorbell. And th- like, this feels new to me. I don't know. Like, I mean, th- th- it feels like um, some, some like a uh, paranoid crank with just sitting by his door with a, a shotgun and waiting for like a Girl Scout to ring the doorbell and then just like opening with both barrels. Seems like a convention in like a cartoon or something like that. But like that literally happened a couple of times over the past couple of weeks. There is that kid in missouri who got shot in the head and lived thank god because like did you see the guy who actually was shot him in, in, in that incident the one in missouri he looks like an absolute yeah dad. he looks like if job of the hut was like a human <laughs> and uh just the other week in new york uh not new york city but in upstate new york this like uh, a 20 year old college girl was shot and killed for turning down the wrong driveway and then before that, there was an incident in Texas where a car full of cheerleaders were shot because one of them got out of the car and accidentally got into another person's car, which I suppose she thought was an Uber or something, and was like, oh, I'm sorry. Got out of the car, back, got back into her car. The guy got out of the car. He, she rolled down the window to apologize, and the dude just unloads into a car full of four cheerleaders in Texas. And, you know, like, obviously, like, there's a, there, there's a racial element to these, like the, the kid in Missouri and this guy who was just killed in the subway. But the girl in upstate New York was like a, the type of typical, like telegenic uh, blonde young person that is usually like the obsession of like true crime or like people obsessed with crime. That's like their obsession of protecting people like that. But like they've, people have gone so far around the bend in this country that they're just killing people who would otherwise be this sort of sainted victim of, you know, crime fantasia. And I don't know. I, I guess where I'm, like, I don't know where I really where to, where to go with this other than like you can I've been trying to like, I don't know get my arms around what where this is all coming from and what it means and it's just like no no answer i can come up with seems satisfactory because you can talk about like how how covid and lockdown cooked everyone's brains and just increasing atomization and paranoia of the average everyday person but i don't know it just seems to me like there's a huge like a significant population of people in this country who spend every day of their lives fantasizing about ways to murder people in which they were like fomenting situations in which they could conceivably kill someone because they felt afraid and be lauded as a hero for it. Well, I, I mean, uh, the, the cause, you know, is obviously huge and, and, and structural. I do think that COVID is the inflection point. If you want to look back at it, it's like, this is a, a black swan event that, you know, manifested by these institutions, but not anticipated by any of them. And 
that like kicks us into a, a new relationship to one another and a new social world after that, because nothing could be the same when something like that happens because the degree of institutional erosion of trust that accompanied COVID is so unspeakably vast that like you can't make sense of anything that comes later without recognizing that as like a new frontier of like the way we interact with the, the media, with our institutions, with each other. And, uh, what people have come to an awareness of is that what they thought of as the government does not really exist the way that they thought it did. And what that means is that the conventional protections we all have against violent death uh, are not as uh, protective as we thought they were. Like you might say, nothing's really changed, but our perception of it has changed. And that means that a lot of people especially if you have a lot of time by yourself, a lot of time to just think about stuff and a lot of time relating to people abstractly as just like threats instead of, you know, concretely as other people (laughs) that you might be able to communicate with and, you know, cooperate with. uh, Everybody eventually is just going to look like an op. And then it becomes a question of, do I wait for them to do it to me or do I act? And like what we're seeing now, the, 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 like the, um, Political divergence is really between people who don't want to act, people who feel like acting would be wrong and are, but are still feeling like that cringe of like something bad is going to happen and I'm just going to wait for it. And people who have decided, no, I am going to act. But the only way they can act, not collectively or collaboratively, is as individuals meeting out violence to stave off the inevitable on their own terms. And that is, that's the only alternative to just eventual destruction in more and more people's minds because they're living in this uh, box that's just picking them, poking at them every minute of their lives. And of course, their material conditions are probably decaying, accelerated by by, by this economic engine we have being like pushed beyond its breaking point by COVID and then never having any of that addressed. I kind of, I don't, I don't know. I think that like for the last 70 years or so of American life, like waiting for an opportunity uh, just to kill somebody as part of public life has just been a thing. It just, yeah. uh, yeah. In one way or the other, it's like part of, it's part of the American way. Absolutely. It's, it's like a desire that like a lot of people in the country have. I think that the center of gravity, like where, where that centers around that changing is what's sort of interesting to me because like 10 years ago, this was a thing. There was like a spate of like racially or a spate of racially motivated uh, like incidents surrounding cars, right? Like the Jordan Davis incident, like just things where like some old white guy thought like a black teenager was playing music too loud and like shot him. There was that one. There was just a ton of those or like George Zimmerman, a guy like patrolling his neighborhood, hoping that this exact Not even like, his that he neighborhood. Would, Right. A guy patrolling a neighborhood, hoping that he would get into some sort of confrontation. And he did. The recent one, like the driveway and doorbell ones are interesting because it's it's like everything else. It's like door dashified yeah. murder. Like you get yeah, to no, live out that fantasy without having to like leave home. No, Felix, it it's seems the like perfect they have... like a Marifat murder fantasy. Yeah. 
No, Felix, like it really seems like 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 the purge has been sort of democratized or, or gigified that like, you know, like now it's like, you know, folks, it, it used to be the purge happened one one night a year. <laughs> all murder was legal. But now it seems it's just like, you know, it's like a, a festival that goes on all year. But the purge lasts longer and longer every year. Yeah, it's purge prime. <laughs> yeah. But uh, like as a textbook example of this, did you guys see that uh, the, the Facebook post from that insane TV weatherman? That was talking yeah. about threatening to shoot a Girl Scout or no, a little girl whose kitten, a little girl whose kitten had gone missing. Uh, I just want to read this Facebook post here. This is from, by the way, why is why is meteorologist like a one to one, like a like a one to one correlation between being a meteorologist and being a complete right wing psycho? Because they actually do think they control the weather. <laughs> like they, well, I, they they spend enough time in front of that giant uh green screen waving their hands in the air and saying and then there's gonna be some cloud cover in their mind eventually it's like yep that's i i wave my hand and the clouds move i think it's i hate to disagree again i think it's sort of the opposite i think that like what group of people makes them look bad the most it's the council of rabbis changing the weather after their <laughs> forecasts <laughs> puts them at odds and uh, and sets them on a course of anti-Semitism. Uh, this guy, this guy posted, "I Weathernet said a child just rang my doorbell. Folks, you do not ring doorbells in 2023. My six was loaded. Keep your kids away." And then someone responds to him saying, "So you're willing to shoot someone just because they rang your doorbell? Stand your ground isn't meant for that. And the way you're nearly threatening anyone, specifically kids, is disgusting. And why some people shouldn't have guns." The guy replies, "I was not fucking around." And then uh, he, he, uh, he goes he goes on to clarify this incident a little further by saying, "Folks, is it a bad idea to allow your kids to go around ringing doorbells in 2023? Read the news. Stop it." If my doorbell rings again tomorrow, I might pull someone's hair. LOL. I'm just playing. But really, it is a bad idea for kids roaming around ringing doorbells. This is not 1972. If that brat rings my doorbell again tomorrow, I will call the police. Take notes. She was looking for her kitten. I'm so impatient. I feel bad because I warned her that I might pull her hair if they ring my doorbell again. She started crying. Then she told me her kitten was missing. I told her to call animal control because I saw them in the neighborhood a few days ago. Learning opportunity. She found a nice, grumpy old man. Others out there will cause harm. Please teach your kids to stay away from doorbells. Jesus Christ. I think I mean, like, this guy would be John Wayne Gacy, but he's like literally too lazy. <laughs> he just doesn't have the initiative. And like I said, I remember like, like thinking about it as sort of like a, like a cartoon comic presence of like ringing someone's doorbell and then having some old coot stick a shotgun in your face. The old convention would be is that they would open the door and stick a gun in your face. The new ones is that they just shoot through your car windshield or the door itself after you knock on the door. They don't even open the fucking door before they start unloading the fucking bullets at you. Well, I mean, you know, what, like, you should have had the right door. What? Where, where is this guy a meteorologist in? Like, what high is he the meteorologist for like Gary, Indiana? Uh, what, what dangerous place is he living in? I, I, I don't know that. Uh, the weather. Okay, let me look it up. This is iweather.net. Are we sure he's just not a weather enthusiast? Okay, it's it's the uh, the Dallas Fort Worth area. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he probably has like a moat on around his house. Like he's, he's probably living in one of those Dallas suburbs where there's a uh, what, what was that uh, space movie where like rich people live in a space colony? Elysium. Yeah, he probably lives in the Dallas version of Elysium. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, it's just like just trying to imagine like the cowardice 
that like has poisoned your soul to like be learning a way like forget forget children forget a girl looking for her lost kitten but just like that any knock on your door any ring of your doorbell is like uh, someone coming to murder you and that you have to kill them first it's just I, it really uh, i mean I, I i hate saying this it feels like a cliche but like you see shit like this and you just like i, I really can't help but feel that like our society is just in full breakdown mode like that, that we cannot go on existing like this this is just or, or like uh, you know like the 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 guy being strangled to death on the subway where it's just like you said matt it's like people are either have to like be like oh like you you shouldn't act or then you should act but act violently and kill this guy and like put him in a chokehold for 15 minutes you know uh but it seems like you know on the one side it's like everyone should be deputized to become social workers and then the, which is like certainly more humane than everyone being deputized to become police officers but like neither are realistic. Like neither are like in any way, shape, or form a solution. No, that's that, that, I don't problems. even think anybody like the the gist of the responses to this incident show. It's not like that. There's an assumption that you should be a social worker. It's that the noble and virtuous thing to do is just to not react to people like having very public mental breakdowns. And yes, it is a better thing to do that than to kill someone, obviously. But it is not virtuous. I'm sorry. It doesn't make you a good person to do that. The fact that we do that is a sign that we are fucked up. The fact that that's how we respond and that we can't imagine doing anything else. And I'm saying we, in the most literal sense, cannot imagine doing anything other than, at best, just pretending someone isn't, doesn't exist. That's, that's not good. That, that's not anything to fucking pat yourself on the back about. And it does create a situation where the only option for the only realistic, conceivable route towards action is violent action, is, in, is, is, comp- is uh, compromising to a permanent end and becoming uh, an embodiment of, you know, the, if you could tell yourself that you're protecting people, you're, you're being a sheepdog, whatever the fuck. But because it's just your person, like individual instinct, it's, it's, it can't be anything other than, yeah, just your rage and fear uh turned into uh an action that like gets you out of that gets you out of that frozen situation that otherwise we were is there's no alternative to it's just being frozen in this constant sense that there's something vastly wrong and that i just we keep doing the same thing every day you know uh, folks i i've lived in new york city my entire life and taken the subway for a good part of it and you know it's very easy you know i've spent decades just editing out of my consciousness and perception anything slightly disturbing or you know uh, scenes of like a visible poverty and mental illness i just you just sort of shut yourself off to that you just don't let it permeate your, your personal bubble but i mean I, honestly though like the reactions to this are sickening because like the glee with which some of these cocksuckers are like pretending like they're not thrilled that like some subhuman has been uh like uh, swiftly taken out by like a marine todd style guy and also the fact that like uh, we like we already like the police have already revealed like this the, the guy who got killed like his entire medical and criminal record but like are not releasing the name of the guy who killed him like he's a cop or something it's just like the the, the, the deputizing and it's just like whether, whether you get arrested for kill, for one of these murders is like will largely be dependent on who you've murdered yeah that's it like there's an in group and an out group like somebody said uh, i bet you wouldn't care if the uh, reverse had happened if that if in a crowded subway the reverse happened, everyone would find themselves. Oh, well, I'm I can act now because you know you're protecting someone who you identify at some level as like part of us against somebody who is just out of that that group. Uh, and so it wouldn't have that would not have occurred. 
And if there, if it had happened, and if it did somehow, then there would be no question of what t- would happen next because immediately uh, be arrested and sent to jail. Yeah, it's uh, it's not good. It's all, it's all. I mean, I, I really don't. I don't have much more to say about this. It's just, it's all very upsetting it's not and good. disturbing. Like it's, 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 a bad it's just really horrible. Yeah, it's it sucks. I mean, but it's unfortunately like the only two responses are just going to be like showing how good you are at like not noticing anything yeah and, like parading that as as like a virtue or a like sta- standard for behavior or like yeah killing somebody or like cheering on somebody killing somebody there's yeah. just no one there is just no consideration or idea for this for yeah. like the unfortunate reality that everyone whether they like it or not has been deputized in like a public health struggle whether that's like addiction or mental illness or whatever i mean it's so it's almost worthless to talk about individual reactions to it besides just not killing somebody because it's downstream of so many choices beyond so many people's control so long ago but it is like there's just no barely any suggestion of what the state's responsibility should be here that is just completely absent yeah it can't be like every 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 incident like this that sparks a, a discourse it ends up being people uh trying to position themselves as aesthetically or morally superior to other people having a response uh and that's because you're dancing around this giant black hole which is the the things that made this happen are only accelerating and there's no mechanisms interposed against them that could realistically slow the 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 process down and so there's no all you can do the question is does he go to jail or not can we after something has happened can we apply uh, a punitive response that will never change anything it can't I mean, I was also like, there was the other incident in San Francisco of like the some guy who worked for the fire department, like going around spraying homeless people with bear mace. And who's the fire know, commissioner for San fire Francisco? Fire commissioner, yeah, Jesus Christ! But like, you know, like in, in these crises, you know, like a, a mental health crisis, a drug addiction crisis, uh, like a, a homelessness crisis, the people who fall into those categories are really the first to be made inhuman or, or subhuman and like outside the category of like their life having value and matt i mean it's something you've talked about on the show before i mean like the depressing fact is that like th- th- that group of people like more and more people are going to find themselves on the other side of that wall and whether you're liberal or conservative uh, like it just everything about our society and government is set up to like just have you not notice or not care as we like dispose of more and more and more of of, more of our own citizens yeah mm. like i mean the, like trump has already gotten ahead of this like he knows where this is headed and so he just decided to say it in a way that others won't when he said we're going to just create camps and we're going to just forcibly move people to them i mean that is they're going to have a, maybe they'll have a blue lives matter flag on them in some states and they'll have a, a rainbow flag on them in other states but like the camps are the thing that the policy machine we have is designed to spit out at some point or another well i I don't know if i could uh move on to a topic somehow more depressing than the one we just (laughs) talked about but i'll I'll give it a shot because it's a long uh, bloomberg article about the company behind ben shapiro is trying to build a right-wing magic kingdom 
So uh, if, if the specter okay, they're doing of, their like, own Disneyland. <laughs> yeah, they're the doing idea? their own. If the specter, like, I mean, I, I would say like that this actually nicely dovetails with both the idea about AI generated culture robbing us of you know any decency and humanity, and our on, and, and the ongoing purge going on. Uh, I think this article really does uh, nicely thread both of those topics together, because uh, yeah, I'm just gonna start reading here. It says. Most of most people who saw the ad for Jeremy's Razors, the greatest commercial ever now viewed on YouTube 22 million times, probably thought it was a spoof. After a McLaren 600 LT Spider hurdles into a parking lot reserved for God King, almost running over a middle-aged office worker, a sunglassed man in a $1,980 Gucci tracksuit jacket who looks like he was manufactured in an LA lab emerges. Do you remember when there were two genders, he asked, glaring into the camera, and only one and a half of them had to shave their mustaches? So begins a tirade about real masculinity that lasts nearly four slickly produced minutes and features the God King incinerating Gillette and Harry's razors with a flamethrower while flanked by two leggy cleavage-bearing models. At one point, he passes a little girl wearing a dress who's shaving her face. The tone is so smug and the visual is so over the top, it's impossible to discern what's parody and what isn't including the fact that it shamelessly borrows from the Dollar Shave Club ad that went viral a decade earlier. If you've had enough of the woke bullshit and you're tired of paying companies like Harry's and Gillette's to hate you, Jeremy of Jeremy's Razor snarls, then buy my new razor instead. Our country's in trouble. Conservatives are being canceled by Hollywood, the media, universities, and now Harry's Razors. Stop giving your money to woke corporations who don't think you deserve their product. Give it to me instead. The razor salesman is Jeremy Boring, co-chief executive officer of The Daily Wire, the right-wing media company best known for the Ben Shapiro podcast. The video, turns out, is not satire. Uh, the, uh, the video, uh, in March 2021, Daily Wire advertisers Harry's Inc. dropped spots for its razors after receiving a complaint from Twitter user about comments made by Daily Wire personality disparaging gender fluidity. Boring just wasn't, wasn't just fed up with Harry's. He was still seething about a Gillette commercial from 2019 decrying toxic masculinity. Still seething about a Gillette commercial from 2019. Never forget. Still mad about that one. Uh, it says, uh, it's just talking about like, like some of their strategies of becoming like a full, full, full blown entertainment company. Like, you know, they're trying to, they're trying to fill in the gap now uh, left open by Disney or Netflix or whatever. It says, the Daily Wire will acquire a favorable documentary about U.S. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas that's vanished from Amazon Prime or publish a book by, the, by a cop involved in the Breonna Taylor shooting that was dropped by its distributor. Ultimately, Boring wants the Daily Wire to help build an alternative economy. It's one where conservatives can get their caffeine from Black Rifle, Black Rifle Coffee rather than Starbucks, eat Cousin T's pancakes created by Black conservative comedian Terrence Williams to protest the decision by PepsiCo Incorporated to remove Aunt Jem the Aunt Jemima logo from its pancake and syrup products and pay for it all with COIN, that's spelled C-O-I-G-N, America's first credit card for conservatives. I mean, like, this is the real this national is, divorce. This, this is bleak. Marjorie, Marjorie Taylor Greenlaw talks about we're going to have a civil war. No, we're just going to create perfectly parallel consumer economies. With, it's like with when Coke created branding. Fanta for the Nazis. All coming out of the same hog shoot, of course. <laughs> just like how the, all the shit from Goop and Alex Jones's website are the, from the same uh, purveyors. But yeah, that we have to create. Yeah, uh, a, a woke. There's woke Disneyland. There's got to be a non woke Disneyland. And then there's got to be a non-woke beer. I mean, it's not going to be equal. Hilariously, these people probably love Plessy versus Ferguson, but they're not going to get a separate and equal economy because they represent 
a shrinking market. They represent fixed capital in the dying regions of the country. They're not, they're not where the dynamic, uh, uh, dynamics of the economy are, which is those rich knowledge suburbs who are perfectly happy with the woke version of everything. <laughs> they're not still seething about the Gillette ad from 2019. The fact that anyone so that still rem- that the right wing Disney world is going to be pretty janky. Expect tetanus. Here's some uh, other uh, exciting new projects coming courtesy of the Daily Wire. He says, it says here, he wants to transform Daily Wire into a kind of anti-Disney, complete with its own movies and TV shows. Currently in the works, a series based on Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged, another based on an evangelically themed retelling of the King Arthur legend, and a commitment to spend $100 million over three years to develop children's programming that can eventually spawn toys, books, and video games. Michael Pachter, a media and tech industry analyst at Wedbush Securities, scoffs at the idea that Daily Wire will ever be competitive with the likes of Disney or Netflix. Well, scoff now, but... Yeah, keep scoffing. Keep scoffing. I'm reloading. (laughs) We start out the show show, uh, joking about scabbing uh, during the writer's strike. But, like, first of all, uh, they probably don't hire unionized writers to begin with. Daily Wire should hire us to write... I mean, when he said a, an evangelical retelling of the King Arthur legend, I was like, get Felix Biederman on that script. Yeah. Dude, we've watched more evangelical content closer than anyone. It's we true. know more about it than anyone in the world. We enjoy it more. I don't believe, like, the people who it's actually made for, they don't enjoy it or know it, know as much about it as we do. Like, the one we saw in theaters... The one where Brian, the, the reagent or the the reliant, the, the reliant. Christians should never have to suffer through a movie that confusing ever again. <laughs> it was so confusing. <laughs> yeah, uh, we want all assassins thirty thirty three AD. Like that's what we want yeah. to make. If 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 they gave us a call, we could have a, a shooting script for secret uncle on their desk in a month we already do have we already wrote a lot it. of scenes from secret <laughs> yeah like we could do flesh that out into a full script no problem secret and uncle if, if these if these if these guys are willing to pay steven fucking crowder a 50 million dollar contract we could do it for a fraction of that a fraction of what they were going to give crowder for we secret uncle's daily wire yeah thomas is like a bigger star than steven crowder certainly we, we have Thomas on like a 360 slavery deal. Jick too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, continuing the article, it says here, uh, uh, boring, uh, this, listen to this, this is great. Uh, Boring's original plan was to make it in Hollywood. He thought he, just might, he thought he just might soon after he'd moved to Los Angeles in 2000 and auditioned to be an extra in a Revolutionary War movie. Having grown up in a small town in West Texas, he was the only person who volunteered when a call went around for someone who knew how to pray. He landed a small speaking part, but the movie was never made and Boring ultimately gave up his acting ambitions. Okay, two things about that. He said he wanted to make it in Hollywood and then gave up after getting one part in a movie that never got made. That is the story with all of these guys. It, like we honestly like to to prevent future daily wires from happening we need some sort of welfare program for like conservative stand-up comics going to los angeles just put them in make work movies that like get released on some get released on the samsung <laughs> refrigerators and nothing else and that like you know they won't start the new third reich in america but the number the second thing i want to talk about there is he said like he was the only actor that knew how to pray that's not fucking hard. Wait, that like, is- like, like, oh, how do I pantomime putting my hands together and kneeling, sort of uh, lowering my head? That is the best pantomime, like uh, just pandering bullshit I've ever heard. 
That's complete Actually, bullshit. Actually, none of the actors knew who Jesus Christ was. <laughs> none of them knew how to pray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a scene where someone had to have heterosexual sex with a woman, and none of them knew what that was. Uh, they, they, there was a scene with a hamburger, and they started screaming and pissing themselves. It says uh, he did, however, find his way to a men's. This is this is after he gave up his acting ambitions after getting being an extra once. He says he did, however, find his way to a men's Bible study group attended by actors such as Joel David Moore, known for known for playing Dr. Norm Spellman in the Avatar movies, and Zachary Levy, the one-time star of the NBC series Chuck. Boring became the pastor and leader of the group, which didn't just worship and play Halo together. Boring, Moore, and Levy formed a production company called Coattails Entertainment, and in 2007 made a movie called Spiral, starring Moore as a jazzed-obsessed psycho killer and Levy as his best friend. Boring collaborated on the script and turned out to have a way with investors. A lot of what he did was get the money together, says Adam Green, who co-directed the film. It all went smoothly. Spiral flopped. So did the other movies Boring was involved in. They tended to be darkly moralistic, like Shadowheart, a Western from which he, for which he was an executive producer about a bounty hunter seeking revenge for the murder of his preacher father. I mean, like, th- these, are, th- these are dog shit. We have come up with better pitches for movies just as a joke than this garbage. The fact that he called this production company Coattails Entertainment instead of Boring Movies is a, a huge lost opportunity. Uh, it says, <laughs> uh, Boring had better luck in political circles. A member of his Bible study group introduced him to Friends of Abe, a group of Hollywood conservatives founded by actor Gary Sinise and writer-filmmaker Lionel Chetwind. They were impressed by Boring's talents as both a pastor and a producer. God, Hollywood people are stupid. Like, I, I, I like this guy. He's like, he tried to be an actor and that flopped, but he immediately found success being like, I'm the pastor of your men's group. And like, they were just like, this guy's got it. He's got it. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the love of Christ. He says it was through friends of Abe. By the way, and friends of Abe sounds like some sort of like I don't know gay conservative group, like friends of Dorothy, like friends of Abe. It was through friends of Abe that Boring met Shapiro in 20, 2010, A right leaning Orthodox Jew, Shapiro, then twenty six, was already a budding pundit with his own talk radio show and had authored books such as Brainwashed: How Universities Indoctrinate America's Youth. At their first meeting, he and Boring discussed making movies that reflected their values. We didn't get down to scripts or anything like that, Shapiro said. It was more like we knew that conservative entertainment was something we were both interested in. Yeah, they didn't get down to scripts or anything because neither of these assholes can write anything or they don't have any imagination. So that's why like, uh, they did the school shooting movie, which was like they just distributed that because it was already made. It actually wasn't that bad a movie. We did that with Pot About List. It was not totally terrible. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Surprised. Yeah, it... I've definitely seen worse, but what's notable about that one is like, you know, that was a ready-made sort of sort of mind of JSOS Redbox movie that they yeah. just bought. Yeah, that wasn't like w- produced under their shingle. And it didn't really have that much political idea. I mean, it was like, you know, it was ideology about like, you know, have to fight to survive and, you know, like, a, a, you know, the, the Marine dad with a gun helps her out at the end. But it was like not anywhere close to the movie that Ben Shapiro or D- Jeremy Boring would have fucking produced if they had any hand in writing it. Uh, this is a really good bit. He says, after Shapiro appeared on Piers Morgan Live on CNN in 2013 in a bulky suit and a shirt that looked two sizes too big, Boring decided to make himself useful to his friend by staging a fashion intervention. We took a Hollywood stylist to his house and threw away all of his clothes, Boring said. He eventually provided similar makeovers for Daily Wire's other personalities, including himself, upgrading from 
an apre grunge nickelback look to bespoke blazers and Warby Parker style glasses. Boring says he's given a similar upgrade to Senator Ted Cruz, a friend from Texas. It's Jesus. working. It's, Whatever he did, it's working. Yeah, it's, Ted it Cruz worked. doesn't look just like exactly the same, if not like kind of shittier. I could definitely identify all the big changes in Ted Cruz's look. I just love that he like he he recruits all these like wannabe child actors like Michael Mills and Ben Shapiro and then just plays dress up with them. He's like, no, you're gonna want to wear these Warby Parker glasses and this this nice fitting blazer. Going ahead here, yeah, it says within this is gonna talk about their film production. It says, uh, within 48 hours, Sonnier and Boring had a deal. Boring says the Daily Wire investment in Run Hide Fight, which cost just $1.8 million to make, paid for itself in a week because it drove so many new subscribers to the site when it was released exclusively there in January 2021. Uh, and it goes on to talk about like they did they did another movie with uh, Gina Carano after she got fired from The Mandalorian. But the thing is, I remember when that movie came out on the Daily Wire. It was called uh, what is it? Um, it's called Terror on the, Terror on the Prairie, a Sonnier produced western in which she plays a Christian who defends her family against a band of bounty hunters. Everyone wants to see themselves represented on the screen. Sonnier says that's what everyone's screaming and shouting about. Well, we're doing our own version. Conservative values. I remember when the Daily Wire released that movie not too long ago, and all of their fans hated it because they said Gina Carano's character was like a Mary Sue. Or that they didn't like the fact that it was a woman kicking ass. And they were like, that's not realistic. They were like, this is SJW shit. So I guess you can't win here. They're talking to investors about funding pieces of individual projects instead. But Boring needs to strike some deals soon. In November, he said the company had enough money to develop, to develop scripts for Atlas Shrugged, Atlas Shrugged and Pendragon. <laughs> that's the, the Arthurian legend. But he wasn't sure where the funds to actually shoot them would come from. By April, the Daily Wire said Sonnier's bonfire legend was handling the financing for both projects, and it was confident it would have sufficient funds to produce them. In the meantime, though, he'll do it with chocolate. A few weeks earlier, to celebrate International Women's Day, the Hershey Company had featured a trans advocate promoting a limited edition Her For She chocolate bar. Boring's response? He dusted off his Gucci jacket and shot another video. International Women's Day is once again upon us, and I love an international woman, Boring says to the camera. But our friends at Hershey's, they don't even know what a woman is. And so Boring rolled out Jeremy's chocolate with she, her, and he, him flavors. Only one of them has nuts, and if you need me to tell me which one, keep buying Hershey's boring deadpans. Within a week of the video's March 3rd debut, the Daily Wire declared Jeremy's Chocolate had sold 500,000 anti-woke candy bars. Hershey, which turns out 24 million chocolate bars a day at its factory in Pennsylvania, says it stands by the campaign. So uh, just an exciting new future of seeing conservative values represented in movies. But the fact that I've, I've not gotten a single phone call from Jeremy Boring to be the script doctor. Yeah, these guys don't know Dragon what they're doing. Or Atlas Shrugged or any, any Christian-themed movie is, uh, frankly, a uh, disgrace. And, you know, hey, I'm, I'm not WGA, so I'll, I'll, I'll cross a picket line to work for the Daily Wire. Absolutely. You'd be privileged. I mean, I just love what, like, I, I just love that this dickhead, like... <laughs> Like has managed to become like a, like a, a, like put on the Warby Parker glasses and blazer and be like sort of like a a right wing Bob Evans by becoming like a men's pastor to the guy from Chuck. I think I mean that's might be better than AI, but we'll see. They might they might want to just let the AI take a crack at it. Let's let the AI take a crack at uh, Ben Shapiro's voice. <laughs> Seriously, can can artificial intelligence do something about that? But you know, it's like. And uh, at Crowder, too, it's just like he, he wanted to be a comedian and an actor. It's just mm -hmm. it, we talked about this before. It's the same old story with all of these guys. And like, yeah, now they're going to have their little. I mean, like, 
like I said, selling selling five hundred thousand gender candy bars is one thing, but you know, do it in the picture business. It's a, it's a little bit tougher. So uh, best of luck to them. All right, you want to leave it there for today? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, quick announcement at the end of the show. Just I want a reminder that we have uh, some new merch uh, that is available to pre-order until May the twenty fourth. So get your new Hell on Earth merchandise. Uh, pre-order is available until May the 24th. Uh, link in the show description. So, uh, till next time, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.